Welcome to another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. It is a froggy Wednesday. I'm telling you, we have got a lot going on in the golf world, whether it's crazy match play that we just saw. I mean, just so much fun. I, I love watching match play. It's so different than what we normally see week to week on the PGA Tour. Um, new world number one here with us. We got uh, Scotty Scheffler, the new number one player in the world. It really feels like he has been playing the best golf lately. And uh, a close eye, like every year, we've got a close eye on Augusta as we're a week out. But this year, a little bit better close of an eye because we're trying to see if Tiger Woods is really going to tee it up. But this week's guest, we uh, we have a great uh, PGA Tour player every single week here, and this week is no different. We've got Matthew Neesmith. Matthew tied the course record at the Copperhead course, uh, the Valspar, shot a 61 on Saturday, the the hole looked as big as the Gulf of Mexico when you were rolling it in there, man. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining the podcast. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. What a week, right? How much of the match play did you watch? I knew, I know you didn't play the match play, but how much did you watch? Uh, I watched a little bit of it. I mean, going back to Aiken kids being kind of the king of match play the last few years there, it was kind of all that anybody could talk about. So I watched a little bit of it. I watched uh, watched him play kind of last few holes every so often. And then uh, I watched him and Scotty play on Sunday as I was packing to come here. So I didn't watch too much of it, but it was kind of on everywhere I looked being back home. Do you like match play? Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. I, I love the fact that, that you can kind of – you can just kind of go for broke the whole time for the most part. Like, you, it's very – it, it's very kind of independent. Each holds its own kind of little tournament, you know, strategy changes based on everything that everybody else does or every, everything that your playing partner does rather than what you have kind of based for the whole. So instead of kind of playing the whole a little bit, you're playing the guy, which is completely different than what we do each and every week. So do you like to be in the driver's seat where you tee off first, or do you like being second where, Hey, you know, he's in trouble. I can play it safe. Or do you want to be the guy with the pedal on the metal the whole time? Man, I've, I've always played it kind of, kind of how kids described it. I mean, he said, I just want to be annoying. You know, you just want to <laughs> make the other guy kind of keep going, Kali, can you just miss a green or can you just make a bogey or can you just hit a bad shot here or there? You just want to hit as many fairways and greens as possible and get the guy frustrated that he can't quite beat you. So. I, I love that part of it. I love the part that you can kind of put the pressure on him. I mean, you want you want them to think about you, not not you have to think about them. I like match play in the as an amateur. If I make a ten, I only lose one hole, and I'm still right back in it again. Where I mean, does that does that play into account at all on the professional level? Uh, yeah. I mean, a little bit. You you definitely you definitely lose a little bit of that. Um, playing golf man if someone hits it to five feet and you'd never genuinely go for the flag usually you'd take on a shot that you wouldn't normally pick just because you know if it doesn't come off you can just pick it up and go to the next hole and be one down or two up or whatever so it just kind of makes it a little bit easier to play carefree golf it is there's a lot of golf too i mean those guys that made it to the finals Ooh, they played man. 30 they played you know, obviously i mean generally you don't always play 18 if you beat somebody good or you have to go to extra holes it could always you know differ but to play 18 wednesday 18, 18 thursday 18 friday and then you're talking 36 on saturday and 36 on sunday not to mention that they played monday and tuesday <laughs> they played nine on monday and nine on tuesday probably oh yeah so that means it's a lot of golf it's way too much golf. <laughs> it's a lot of golf, considering some guys played the week before with you at the Valspar. Correct. And then we had the delayed week at the players that lasted. I mean, the players felt like it was a six-month tournament in itself. It, it took forever to get through the players. Absolutely forever. 
So you were there on uh, on you were there at the players, and you were on. If I'm not mistaken, uh, I remember looking a while back. You were on the B side of the draw, so you were on late Thursday, early Friday, which ended up. When did you tee off? When did you play your first hole? I played my first hole at I think like eight fifteen or something on. Who man? Friday. Friday was it Friday? Friday. Yeah, it was Friday morning. Eight fifteen on Friday morning. We got through like twelve holes or so. Okay, so when did you finish your Friday round? Finished Friday round. Oh no, excuse me. Your round one. When did you finish that? Saturday. (laughs) Yeah, it was Saturday, right? Yeah, I finished Saturday at like three. Yeah, two two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, we teed off at two fifteen for our Friday round. Now, did you go off the front or the back on round one? I went off the front, so I played the back twice, and that was that was the worst part about the whole experience is is where we were compared to everyone else and where we needed like the holes we needed to play. <laughs> because yeah. if we front nine where we were, we'd had to play the front nine twice, and then we wouldn't have gotten to sixteen, seventeen, or eighteen, right. which when it was playing its hardest. But we played sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. First off, in the first round. We played it in a wind that they didn't have until we played it, and the golf course wasn't set up to have that win because they would have they figured we'd have gotten through the first round already before Saturday. Right. So, um, so the golf course was not set up for the wind, and then the next part was is that they got so much rain that they had to put a bunch of pins on high spots. Mm-hmm to get it out of the, to get it out of the water. And what ended up happening is now the highest spots on the green, which were usually the most exposed and it was blowing 20 miles, it was blowing 20 to 35 kind of constantly. Um, then putting became really hard, right. especially on the back. It was much more open and much more kind of free flowing. Whereas the front nine, you get a little bit kind of tucked away in some trees. You can kind of think a little bit like the ball still, once you hit it in the air, it's still kind of, does whatever the wind's going to do but putting at least is a little bit easier what did you do on 17 on your round one which i guess was saturday morning um i hit it on the front edge of the green with a seven iron it was 126 yards to the front edge and then uh and i three putted and then on friday i hit it in the water and took a drop and hit a wedge to 15 feet and made it for bogey. So, wow. Two very different ways to make four. You know, it it really was mother nature just wreaked havoc on that week. But at the same time, the fact that they got that golf course playable after all the rain we had for five days was unbelievable. The way the golf course was set up was incredible. I mean, that's probably the best shape golf course we play all year um, because they shut it down a couple months before. I mean, there's no divots on the golf course. It's an impeccable shape, especially since it got moved to March. Mm-hmm. Um, the golf course just fits a lot better that way. I mean, May, I heard it was a lot firmer, a lot faster, but it was also a lot trickier. And so I think they want to uh, moving it to March makes the golf course play a little bit more playable, not quite as, I don't want to say goofy because the golf course isn't goofy, but you, I mean, you remember seeing Sergio like five putt and stuff like that. Cause they, right. cause the golf course is just in too good a shape and it gets a little bit breezy and it's firm and fast. So I think the golf course plays a little bit more how they want it to on, on in March, but it was fantastically prepared. It was, I think some, some guys that missed the cut almost feel like they did themselves a favor. Like, Hey, I don't have to come back out here and get beat up again for another two rounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
and it was so cold on Sunday morning when we went. Oh, back. it was. I know. And it was it was very interesting, but it it was kind of a an interesting kind of dynamic. I mean, it was. I had, I worked with a stats guy named Hunter Stewart, who I played golf with in college golf. Who works with Maverick McNeely and uh, Stallings and a few other people and. He was actually telling me, he was like, there were two totally, there were two or three shots on 17 that had like 128 mile an hour ball speed, which is kind of like a hard chippy seven iron. Mm -hmm. And if it went over 80 feet in the air, it went into short water. And if it was under 70 feet in the air, it flew the green. So like it was, it was such a very, it was such a fine line of how to play the golf course and what you needed to do to kind of. It was just really hard. I mean, it was super hard. But. It was hard. I mean, I, I played out there, obviously, and and not in that that weather. And I know how difficult that golf course is. But to see it in that setup, yes, it was very cold on Sunday morning, and that's when you finished. I mean, it's funny you you ended up playing on Sunday, but you're finishing your Friday round on Sunday. I mean, it was it was really squirrely. But the fact that we got it in, I mean, kudos to Cam Smith. I know the guys that were in the early the early draw that played early. Thursday they played in somewhat of a dome on Thursday because it was money on Thursday it was perfect and 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 they did get the better side of the draw but that's not to take away uh the shot he hit into 17 on Sunday he admitted he wasn't really looking right of the pin but he pushed a little bit but that was an amazing shot yeah it was it was fantastic I mean he's been playing some great golf for a really long time and he's kind of started to settle into his own and it's become become one of the one of the big names that we have out here each and every week so it's not surprising to see him do what he did yeah, no, I agree. So then you move on to the Valspar, you get there, obviously playing good golf. I mean, the players was not indicative of, I don't think you can look at a lot of guys. Hell, if you look at Scotty Scheffler, he wins in uh, Phoenix. He goes to Genesis, finishes top. I think he finishes T7. Then he goes to the players. And, I mean, excuse me, goes to API and wins. Mm-hmm. 55th at the players, now he wins the match play. So the players obviously is not indicative of anybody's game, but you go to the Valspar, and play really, really well. Was everything just was everything clicking coming into the Valspar, and then the players was just an anomaly? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been doing some really good things over the last few months. I mean, things have been kind of trending in that direction. And like I said, kind of in my interviews, I just haven't been able to let myself get out of my own way. I haven't been able to let things that we've been working on kind of come to fruition. I've been trying too hard and. I've been doing all the right things. I just haven't, I haven't been able to let all those things shine through with kind of the mindset that I've been having and trying to play, trying too hard to play good golf. So it's not surprising that I played really well. I mean, I've been playing well for a while and it just was, I was able to kind of let go for a little while. Right. Yeah, I I do. I do want to get into that uh, because I think that that is something that a lot of people could probably benefit from. And I think it's something that happens a lot on the golf course is maybe it's to the extent of while standing over maybe a five footer, instead of telling yourself, I have to make this or don't miss this, just put it the way you put it when you're on a practice round or put it the way you put it when you're practicing at home or whatever. Instead, we we change our routine and it ends up ends up changing the result. Do you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean. I I was I was thinking about some stuff kind of two weeks ago as we were going is like the anxiety of bad golf is much worse than the outcome of bad golf. You know, like standing over a tee ball, let's say 18 at players, the anxiety standing over that shot is way worse than the outcome of hitting it in the water. You hit it in the water, yeah, you get kind of mad and angry and slam a club or whatsoever, but 
two or three minutes as you're walking down the fairway, you kind of start to get back into, okay, where's my drop going to be? You kind of start going back through that thing. Like you don't like the anxiety of it beforehand is like, Oh my God, what if I don't hit the fairway and this, that, and the other can be very crippling and it's going to be totally okay. If you do hit in the water, like there's plenty of people that do it and there's, and people are just fine afterwards. So I think being okay with failure is one of the biggest things that I struggled with. I still struggle with. I mean, failure is an option and it's okay to fail. I mean, it's, it's not what we want to do, obviously, but it's something that we have to come to terms with. And I've never, I've never come to terms with that. So it's not necessarily that you're failing per se. It's that, Hey, things didn't go exactly the way I wanted them to go, but it's not the end of the world. I'm able to pick up and continue on. 100%. And, and whether that be, hitting a bad golf shot or whether it be losing my PGA tour card, whether it be doing something completely different. Like, I mean, I had, I had not come to the terms with that being an option and it being okay. You just wanted to kind of push it out of your mind and be like, all right, well, I need to do this, 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 and this, but don't, but don't play bad. You know what I mean? I need to do all right. I need to do all these things, but then that comes expectation. Then there comes I want to, I want to play good, but I'm so hypersensitive to how I feel and what shots I'm trying to hit and what we're working on that. I just hadn't been able to get out of my own way a little bit and realizing that it's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to fail. And it's okay to do all these things. I was able to just play some golf, just play golf the way that I've been working towards for the last eight months and the way I've been playing at home and the way I've been doing a lot of things. So so were you playing good at home? Like you would go out and play at home and practice and you'd play great and then show yeah. up at a PGA tour event and and you weren't seeing the results. And I'd play and I'd hit it. I'd have like some of the best prep work. Like some of the best prep I did all year was at waste management. I went out and played terrible, you know, like I was playing good. I was hitting it fine. I was doing all the right things and get on the first tee on Thursday morning. And now all of a sudden I'm hitting a toe hook with the driver. You know what I mean? Like right. it, it, it's, all this stuff that's been kind of getting in my own way that it was, it was really frustrating. I mean, I'd been doing all the right things. I've been, I've been really working on, on my game and really working on my swing and working on the mental side of stuff and trying to get better. And I had done all of that and you'd see it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, be like, man, I'm really starting to play good. And then Thursday come around, I just lock up just because I want it too badly. I want, I tried too hard. I want to, I want to play well. I want, I want it for me. I want it for my family. I want it for everybody. Would you find yourself standing over shots thinking about don't do this or don't do that instead of thinking about picturing the good things it could be? Yeah, maybe it's not so that what you you'd say I wouldn't say don't do this or don't do that. I would much more feel the the anxiety of hitting a bad shot. And and I'd just be over it and be like, man, I just want to hit this good, but no, just try not to hit it over there, or over here. There was just right. a lot of fearing involved. And it's okay to hit bad golf shots. I mean, you watch some of the best players in the world, like Cam Smith. We're talking about him, and he snapped hook one so hard off 16T on Sunday that you, I mean, you wouldn't even think that he could even possibly think to hit the shot they hit on 17. You right. know, so it's, it's, and I've played, I've played with a lot of guys. I mean, I played with Luke List when he won at Torrey Pines. I played with Scotty Scheffler on the same day at Torrey Pines. I've played with Scotty for a long time, and those guys don't play perfect golf. I mean, it, I mean, TV makes it sound like that, and TV makes it very dramatic and how good they are and this and the other. And they are very good, they, but they just do all the right things, and they let themselves be able to 
be them and sink in the moment and not be scared to hit bad shots. Yeah, you know, I watched Cam Smith. I believe it was on, I, you know, it's hard to say what day it was. I knew it was Saturday or Sunday. I don't know what round he was playing. But on 18, he snap hooked one into the water off the tee box on 18 at players. And I mean, it looked like something I would do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he then goes up there, drops, hits a shot, makes bogey, and, and moves on. Like you just brought up 16 when he snap hooked it in the trees. On 18, his the shot he knocked out. He knocks it into the water. He recollects himself, knocks it to what a foot and a half, and 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 saves bogey and won the golf tournament. Bad golf shots are going to happen. They're absolutely going to happen. You have to almost expect it to happen. But it's how you recover from it and move on that's more important than the actual outcome of the bad shot. Yeah, and and I've been I've been so worried about hitting bad golf shots that I've been string I've been manifesting them because of the of of the way I think you know I don't want to do this I don't want to do that I, I just want to play good golf and that's been bringing on a lot of very average golf you know I've I've made ten of probably fifteen cuts or so this year which I mean it's not playing terribly but I've been getting in my own way from just the sense of I haven't been able to play some really, really good rounds when I was playing some really good golf because I was too, I was scared to fail. Yeah. And it's worse when you're going to the golf course, uh, you've played so well Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that you've got high expectations in your head and then it doesn't show up on the golf course and people are like, what the hell is going on when it's all it's internal. It sounds like. Correct. hundred percent. It's all. Uh, and, and that's most of the guys out here. I mean, most of the guys out here, they, they, if you played with them at home, you'd be like, man, how do they ever, mm-hmm. shoot far? you know? Right. And then we get I played, out- uh, I played one day right after the pandemic started. I played with Billy Horschel at TPC Sawgrass mm-hmm. and man, I'm telling you, he shot the easiest looking 67 mm-hmm. you've ever seen in your life. Yep. And I thought to myself, like, how does he not do that every time? I mean, no grinding, no nothing. I mean, it just looked, it looked effortless and it was for him. It was effortless. It's an internal struggle. I mean, we, we play, we play like that a lot. We play like this kind of easy round of golf where you don't really, you're not worried about hitting it left or hitting it right or missing greens. You're just worried about going out and just kind of getting a little work in or hanging out with your buddies and just kind of enjoying the time you have. And all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, man, I just shot seven, eight, nine under and didn't even blink. You know what I mean? It's just, right. and you do it each and every week here at home. And it's like, what am I doing? And then you start to realize you're just, you just get in your own way a lot. Oh, for sure. Did, let me ask you this. Did, did As much as he's done for the game, more than anybody ever, did Tiger ruin golf for us? Because we feel like everybody's just supposed to play good like that. We watch him and it looks too damn easy. <laughs> yeah, it, it does look really easy. <laughs> Um, and we know it's not easy. Yeah, it's it's definitely I would say I would say um golf announcing um they're very insightful but the expectation is really 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 high. And so like I I, I don't watch golf on TV anymore. Just because yeah, I mean, we're when we're playing good, we are expected to hit shots really well and you're expected to chip it and stuff like this really nicely and but I mean, yeah, we all hit bad golf shots. I mean, you just watch it and you're like, oh, he kind of just missed hit a little chip shot. And it's like, oh, well, there, there it goes. He's struggling with his bunker play again. And you're just like, man, it's, it's totally different to that. It's hard. It's harder than it looks. I promise, you know? Right. And, uh, they, but yeah, and tiger and that, I mean, the expectation is so high. I mean, you play with random people, um, 
and you'll shoot like three or four under and they'll be like, man, I really expected you to be better. You're like, I mean, what are you talking about? dude? (laughs) You know, like, I mean, it's, it's incredible, but I mean, people just expect so much out of us because the game's gotten so much better and tiger was incredible. You know, I also see like, for example, on Sunday, if you're watching, if you remember, I don't know, it was the par five on the back. Scheffler had the chip shot. He dumps it in the bunker. He, I mean, he missed his mark. It couldn't have been by more than a couple inches. Yeah. And what does he do? He holds it out of the bunker. Still that's, makes birdie. I mean. That's just Scheffler. I mean, he's done that for so long. I've known him for, golly, how old am I? 28. I've known him for probably almost 15 years. I mean, he's done that stuff since he was a little kid. And he was he is the perfect way you'd build a golfer. He was five foot seven and 120 pounds until he was like 16 and he had this great wedge game and he was really good putter solid around the greens he could flight it he could hit all the shots but he was just really short and then all of a sudden he got to like six four in like two years and he could smash it and like then it was like okay that's how you'd build a golfer right there you'd build somebody who like had all the intangibles of like touch and feel and could putt and could flight it and could control their wedge distances and spin and trajectory and then gave him distance like 10 years after he had already gotten really good. <laughs> wow. Yeah. We'll get into to Scheffler's rise to number one and how quick it is. I've got some numbers that will literally shock you. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to that 61, you shot on Saturday at the Valspar at, at what point between the waste management and the Valspar, were you able to start finding a way to let some of the anxiety go and play better golf? Man, uh, actually probably driving down to Valspar from, uh, the players on Sunday, kind of night afternoon. Um, my wife and I were just driving down and she was talking about, I've got a junior tournament that's on the first through the fourth of August. Um, and she was talking about it and then she was talking about how it's the week of Wyndham. And then in my mind, it just kind of exploded like, all right, well, there's like that ticking clock of like, all right, we got like, and, it's, and of course, I mean, it's March still. It's not like we're three weeks away or a month away. I mean, we're, we're a long way away. And I started to feel kind of melancholy and kind of down and just kind of like frustrated with my game and frustrated with how I felt. And it became really kind of crippling of why do I feel, why do I feel this way? Why, why am I so, why am I so angry and kind of down on myself about how I'm playing when we've got a ton of golf left? And then it started to kind of come about like, I just was like, all right, well, it's okay. It's okay to, to, to fail. And, and my, and your brain doesn't really understand that logic. I mean, your brain, you can, you can kind of rationalize it with yourself, but it doesn't really make you feel any better. And so I kind of went through that and was really struggling. And, and then I started, I started kind of writing down some stuff in a journal and, writing down the words like it's okay to fail was like extremely, extremely calming for me for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I went out on Thursday and the whole goal for me was to put one foot in front of the other and finish 18 holes. I mean, that was my goal. My goal was to play 18 holes without getting in my own way by just saying, you know what? It's all right. If I hit bad golf shots, it's all right. If I don't play good, it's all right. If I miss the cut here, it's, okay to do that and all of a sudden i hit like i mean i went bogey free four under really really easy wow easy golf and then the next day it was kind of the next day i was i was very anxious the next day to play golf because i was prepared to play bad (laughs) just mentally i was okay with playing bad but 
and and with playing bad comes with okay it's all right to fail i was okay with that but i was not quite prepared to play well like mentally it's hard it's hard to kind of like have your cake and eat it too where you right i i I, I, my only goal is to play 18 holes but now i'm five or six hundred for the tournament now i care you know, and that's not what got me there. That's not what was, that's not how I was able to play really good golf. And yeah, so it's hard yeah. to not switch back into that other mode you were in before. Correct. So that was the hardest part of Valspar was just trying not to jump and revert back to, okay, now I'm playing good. Now I can be the old me. Now yeah, I want to care too much care. again. Correct. So that was that, it was really hard. It felt like that week was a month. I mean, it, it felt, it felt very long and, but it was great. It was a great learning experience. It was something that I was really grateful for and something that valuable, valuable experience to playing in the final group the last two weeks or, or the last uh, two days and something that I was very grateful for and very happy that, I mean, I hadn't been in that situation in a long time. I right. hadn't been, I didn't, I was never in the final group in a corn fairy event. I was never kind of having a chance to win with a lot of golf left i mean kind of i guess waste management a little bit but there was a lot of guys up there it was a little bit different it was covid so there wasn't really anybody there and things like that so it's the first time in a long time and and it was really exciting to see that it still had it's still kind of the same as it was in high school or college or at any level i mean valspar's just as big as the polo junior was to me when i was the same age you know what i mean Right. Yeah. I mean, you're still trying to win a professional golf tournament. Now you go out, you shoot 61. It must've felt like everything was just in, in place. You felt good. You're not, you're not trying too hard. You're not caring too much. Um, but then you go out the next day. How difficult is it to follow up a good round after shooting a 61? You know, everybody said that, but I, I was, I didn't, I wasn't worried about it at all. I was completely, I was completely okay. If I went out there and shot 75, and so I was able, and I was still playing some really good golf. So I was just able to let things come where they may and just let it, let it kind of flow. And I started to struggle a little bit, um, kind of in the back nine there that I kind of fought all the way out through the next day. Um, but it was, it was really cool to just play some really good golf and just kind of be able to kind of get in the zone for a little while, but it is very, very difficult because we just get ahead of ourselves so quickly, you know, and you hear all that outside noise of it's hard to follow up a good round with another good round. It's hard to win on the PGA tour. It's hard to, you got Justin Thomas back here and Sam Burns and all these people like it, like everything on TV and, and, and it gets built up so big. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Justin Thomas is still the same guy I played golf with when he was 16 years old. Right. Sam Burns is still the same guy that I've known for 10 years. So is Scotty Scheffler. You know what I mean? Like they build all these characters up because it is fun to watch on TV, but for us, it's, it's, it's hard to, look at that and then kind of separate the two, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's yeah. still the same people, you know, that I just get, it just gets built up a lot and that's why people watch it. They love to watch it. And it's great. I love, I'm very thankful for that, but I'm not really going to buy into the whole shebang. <laughs> yeah. I mean, golf is just, it's changed so much. It's all young guys now. I mean, to, to look at the world top 10 and Rory is the elder statesman in the top 10. I mean, that's mm-hmm. insane. That's where we are. But like you said, You've been playing golf against Scotty Scheffler, Sam Burns, Justin Thomas when you guys were young. So mm-hmm. these guys are not, it's not David and Goliath to you because you've been, you've grown up with him. You've seen him play golf. So it's not. So when, when the TV's making it to be my, uh, Matt Neesmith against all these guys, it doesn't feel that way to you. No, because I mean, 
at some point in time, Scotty was, I was the older kid that was the number one junior in the country. At some point in time, Scotty was chasing me. Do you know what I mean? Everything changes. Like, even though, even though they make it out to me as being a underdog and the whole, you don't know who this guy is or anything like that. That doesn't, that's not the way it feels to me. You know, Scotty for, I've known Scotty forever and Sam Burns and JT. It's just the way it is, you know, known these guys forever. So it's, it feels just like any normal golf tournament. I love that. That's great. That's, that's great insight. Does uh, does the way you played at the Valspar coming off that week and, and and having a week to rest, and now you're going into the Valero, does it give you some extra added confidence maybe that you didn't have going into the Valspar? And how do you continue your new thought process of not trying too hard moving which forward? Is, yeah, which is the crazy part. You know, you come in here and you, and now now there's the expectation, right? There's the yeah. expectation of okay he he did it he did it two weeks ago and you have all these guys that start to get into a rhythm they'll be they'll finish like second and the next week they'll come out and they'll be leading after the first round and Uh and it's just like oh they're just hot and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get into the i'm not gonna get into the roller coaster ride of this is what i'm supposed to do if i don't do it i'm i'm completely fine with it i'm gonna go out here and i'm gonna do the same thing that i've been doing for the last eight months and if it works out this week, great. If it doesn't, I'm going to go home for master's week, hang out with the family, and then we're going to give it another world RBC. So I'm, I'm going to do everything that I've been doing. That's gotten me to the point where I'm playing better golf, but I'm not going to get in my own way by trying to care too much about it. Wow. That's super cool that you're able to do that. Now, you know, mental health is always, it's, it's really at the forefront much now than it has been much, much more so now than it has been. And it's a great thing. Is this something you've talked about with a, with a sports psychologist or somebody else, or is this something that you've been able to do with your wife and you guys are just having success doing it on your own? Yeah. Um, I've been working with a few different people, some people that I trust at home, some people that I trust, uh, that I'm new from college. Um, a guy who I've been working with named Bob Tewksbury. He's a, uh, he was an all-star pitcher um back in like the mid early 90s mm-hmm. um and he's a sports psych now that i read it with my dad read his book and just kind of got in touch that way um but he we've been working together for probably six eight months and then my my swing coach gary Cresson, we do we do probably more work on the way we think than we do on the way that my golf swing works so wow. it's been six it's been six hard months of digging to get here now to find what the root of the actual problem is right but you now know? you're seeing results so now you're getting uh you're getting the results which makes you know it's working and helps exactly. you believe a little more exactly and 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 that's the cool part i mean it's taken a while to get here and and i'm just i'm just excited to kind of continue going down this path wherever it may lead and whatever ends up happening i'm okay with you know something you said you said that you're not afraid to fail and and i don't want people to take it as matt's not happy to fail He's not saying it's okay. He's not saying that it's a good thing. He's saying that it that it it, it is inevitable. There are going to be times that you are going to fail, but at the same time, that gives you another chance to come back. And I I saw another thing the other day. I read and I said this to my son. My son's nineteen and plays golf. And I said, an L doesn't always have to be a loss. Sometimes it's a lesson. Yeah, absolutely. and and how you deal with it is as important as as, as you know as what happens. It's really more important. Yeah. And, and, and you hear a lot of people, like I was talking to one of the kids that works, uh, that that's, I think a freshman at university of South Carolina, he saw some of the interviews and called me and wanted to kind of talk and see, see how I got to where to that position. And I was thinking back in college and 
I think, I think, um, I think everybody's different in the fact that like, just telling someone to stuff their sorries in a sack and sack up and let's go hit a T-ball and kind of pushing them that way, that works for some people. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work for me. Right. That didn't work for me. So telling me that it's all right if we hit it in the water, we're just gonna we're just gonna go up and drop and it's okay to do that is actually frees me up to hit the shot that I need to hit, you know? So I think I think it's just become super different. I mean, we as kind of men in this kind of aspect of competition and this thing and 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 trying to beat each other it's all very hardened and very like hey man stuff your sorries in a sack let's go do this you know and some people it works that way and some people it doesn't so i think it's very it's very nice to to know that that it's okay to 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 just not be to not have to like push so hard to do everything it's all right to think about it in a different light whether it makes you change or it makes you it makes you just kind of a little bit different i think you just got to find the best way that you can free up and and play golf yeah i mean golf is extremely mental anybody that plays golf knows how mental the sport is and you can you can go to the golf course one day and play great and mm-hmm. go to the golf course the very next day change absolutely nothing and play terrible play terrible and a lot of it is is mental. Yes, there is a lot. There's a physical aspect to it, but a lot of it is mental. And what's going on between your ears uh, has a lot to do with how you're doing on the golf course. And if things in your life aren't good, if if things if you got stuff going on that's upstairs, you're not thinking about golf while you're playing. It's just so much that can go on. So to be able to free your mind and be able to do that is is, is super cool. That's why I asked if you were working with somebody or if it's something that you and your wife were, were doing. But obviously, she's able to help you out with this as well because. I, I I read it in an article. You had said that whether you shoot 65 or whether you shoot 75 or 85, your wife's going to love you just the same. Mm-hmm. So to be able to know that and know what's important to you and know that those important things are going to be there for you, no matter what happens on the golf course, the golf yep. course is great, but I'm going to have this no matter what. Yeah. And she's, and she's been amazing. I mean, she, she was on the, uh, the equestrian team at South Carolina and she's probably more competitive than I am, you know? Wow. And so, <laughs> And she understands the she understands the pressure. She understands the the competition aspect. So it's great to be able to have someone to talk to that understands exactly what I'm going through and will do anything to to help me achieve any of my goals. And that's awesome. She's she'll always be there for me, and I'm very thankful for that. That's super cool. As you get into the uh, Valero this week, TPC San Antonio. I know you played last year. Uh, so you're familiar with the golf course. How's the golf course looking for play this year? It's great. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, doesn't look like they've had much rain, so looks like it's going to play relatively firm. Um, but yesterday, today, and tomorrow, it's supposed to blow close to 25 and oh. 25 with gusts up to 40. So wow. I know they're going to have the greens pretty slow to start just because, I mean, we can't play. I mean, we, we're going to play pro-am tomorrow. We'd never finish. So, right. Um, but then the, the golf tournament, it's supposed to calm down to 10 to 15 and kind of be in that normal range. So it depends on how the wind's going to end up playing and how they want to kind of take the golf course along. Do they want to just like, all right, we're going to have it slow and soft and kind of stay for it and let, wait for it to kind of relax with the wind and then pump it on Thursday morning or, are we going to kind of gradually start chopping as we go? So it'll be very interesting. And the wind's supposed to kind of flick around a good bit. So the golf course can change a lot from day to day. So we'll see. It's, it's, it's a golf course that, that heavily relies on wind and 
there's a lot of, um, there's not a whole lot of kind of wedges and stuff like that, but the wedges you have, you're going to have to flight and be able to control your spin and control your trajectory. So it'll be very interesting to see, uh, how it changes just with the wind the next couple of days. Earlier in the, uh, earlier in the podcast, you mentioned Scott Stallings. You guys are buddies. Stallings. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw something cool about him. He said that he, he won't say what it is, but he said he was watching Terrell Hatton, who's one of the best putters on tour. He learned something in Terrell's setup that he has now included into his setup and has, has made him putt very well. And I know Scott played well at the Valspar as well. Have you ever watched another tour pro and just seen some things or tried some things or done some things that you see them doing and tried to uh, incorporate yeah. into your game? Absolutely. I mean, I'm very lucky um, back at home. We have Richie Wierenski and Scott Brown and Kevin Kisner all at the same club. So we play a lot of golf together and no one's ever shy to ask questions about anybody's game and no one's ever shy to give kind of their perspective on things. So cool. they're very, they've been very good to me um, the last few years of just being able to kind of just talk and talk through shots and what you're thinking about this. And when you're, how do you feel when you're playing really good? What do you feel like you're doing well? And this, that, and the other. So, yeah, absolutely. I think you, I think there's always kind of that look around to see what other guys are doing and see if you can incorporate into your game because it's always a learning curve. You man, everybody's always trying to learn. And I think knowledge is power. I think the more that, you know, the more you can, the more information you can sift through the more kind of, you can make the best decision for you. So yeah, I ask those guys questions all the time and and they're very, they're very nice to give answers. So you absolutely do take stuff from other players. Yeah. I'm sure you've learned a thing or two from Scotty considering you guys played yeah. young golf together and you've played a lot with them on the tour. Yeah. A ton. Yeah. I mean, Scotty's Scotty's incredible at flighting the golf ball, you know, <laughs> he's got that Texas in him, man. So he can hit it high as a, as a kite. And then he can also flight it low, which we saw him do both of those things uh, during the match play. And I saw a stat, you know, there's a lot of you, you see all these stats and everything's crazy, but I saw one that there's been 25 players ranked number one in the world since they started keeping track of the number one, since the official Ooh. world golf ranking started 23 of them took a year to get from inside the top 10. Once they cracked the top 10, it took them a year to get to number one. It took Tiger Woods only nine weeks to go from once cracking the top 10 to number one. It took Scotty Scheffler only six weeks to wow. crack the top 10 and go to number one. And this rise has been there. Wow, man. He, once he found it, you knew it was going to be something like what's happened. You know, he's, he's had so many close calls over the last couple of years. You knew it was going to happen. You just didn't know it was going to be so uh, quickly. You know, he's going to win. Like, you know, once he won in waste management, I was like, man, he's been waiting for that. He's played good enough at so many events not yeah. to win. So it wasn't surprising to see him win. And then he's got a nose for it now. He's, he starts smelling blood and just uh, just is able to kind of figure it out now. He's done it now three times in six weeks. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him do a lot more on three completely different golf courses as well. And three completely different ways of winning waste management's different than API. And then you got match play. He's got all the tools, man. He's been, he's, he's got, he can hit it both ways. He's long. He can hit it high and hit it low. He's a great, great around the greens, great wedge player, good putter. I mean, he's got all the, all the facets you need. It's good to see these guys just, I mean, I, I love how young golf is. Golf is truly young. Everybody that's playing well at the top are a bunch of young guys, and it's good to see all the new blood that we have uh, brought into the game and to see how well people are playing. So, Absolutely. you know, 
I, I, I didn't feel, and, and, and nothing against John Rahm, I didn't feel like John Rahm was the best player in the world at this time right now. He was playing really good last year, but sometimes the rankings do, I mean, I've argued that they need a tweak here and there, the way that they figure out who number one is. There's absolutely no doubt that Scotty Scheffler right now is the best player the best. on the planet. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with that right now. There's no doubt. So uh, real quick, before we let you go, a couple things. Uh, will you be watching the Masters this week, next week? Uh, Yeah, I'll probably watch the Masters. The Masters is just a little different just because I've been going since I was a kid. Uh, and that was our spring break at home. <laughs> so. Right. Uh yeah, I'll probably I'll probably watch a little bit of it, but now if Tiger tees it up, does that does that give you a little yeah. bit more watch time? Watch it, yeah. If Tiger tees it up, we'll watch it. So I mean, I think he's gonna tee it up, but that's just me. I've got my fingers crossed. That would be, I mean, you never ever ever count him out. Ever count him out. I mean, I don't know why. I don't know why all of us still listen to him in the presser. I mean, he's like he's like, oh, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't swing, I can't do this, and he's on the back of the range of the Bahamas hitting drivers. So I mean, like. I watched him in the father son event. He looked like he could play to me still. Yeah, yeah. He he said he doesn't have any speed, and then he's got 174 mile an hour ball speed at the PNC. I don't know why anybody believes anything <laughs> he says anymore. <laughs> I agree with you. Um, what are you and Gary working in uh, working on in your swing right now? So we're always kind of kind of working on the same things. I mean, Gary's really really big on having a stable lower body and being able to turn um, on top of a stable lower half you know um he does a lot of face on stuff doesn't doesn't do that much down the line stuff because usually you get the face on part right the down the line stuff starts looking better in itself so uh my hips like to run out in front of me just a little bit so we're trying to keep those kind of underneath my left shoulder and see if we can uh flight the ball just a touch better and i end up i end up not being quite so under at times and start hitting a tiny little cut which i like and your takeaway, you try and just turn that right hip back, or do you shift a little bit to your right and then turn? Um, I'm, 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 that's just, I've done that for so long. I don't even know what it does anymore. It's just kind of a trigger to help me pull the club back, I guess. I've done it forever. Um, I'm always trying to, I'm, I, for whatever reason, I really struggle with taking the club too far outside and then I don't get deep enough in the backswing. And then I like to slide and drop the club underneath. So, because mm-hmm. if, if I wasn't deep enough in the backswing and I tried to turn, I'd hit a very big old cut. So, <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to we're always trying to get it rounded out a touch more and get a touch deeper so that I can so that when I turn I can just hit pretty straight balls into a tiny bit of a cut. Awesome. Well man, I appreciate your time. Before we let you go, we do something called an emergency nine. I'm gonna ask you nine quick questions. You just give me yeah. whatever answer comes to mind and then we'll we'll uh, let you go and let you get back out to the golf course because I know you're in San Antonio there at the uh, at the Valero. Number one, what is your favorite event on the PGA tour? <sighs> man rbc heritage probably because it's okay okay cool coming up all right number two would you rather uh, make a phone call or have somebody just send you a text depends on who it is i I, I could text all day but definitely phone calls for things you need to explain exactly uh music on the golf course or no go oh for sure absolutely what's your go-to music on the golf course man i like a little bit everything depends depends what it is punk rock rap country music i'm all over i love that uh dumbest thing you've ever heard or seen from a fan while on the pga tour oh man oh there's a lot uh there's a kid in japan there was a kid in japan who just had a shirt that just said broccoli on it that was kind of funny i don't really know why it was just out of the blue there's a guy holding the sign that said 
said believe and i don't know he just kept flipping through his pages and holding up stuff that was that was great those fans over there are amazing but they were very funny that's awesome player you'd most be nervous to be paired with on the tour i mean you'd obviously have to say tiger probably right right (laughs) right that makes sense uh if you weren't a pro golfer what would you be doing golly i'm such a golf nerd this is not a great question I'd probably be teaching. <laughs> teaching golf. Okay. Um, the most famous phone number in your phone. Ooh, man. You grew up playing golf with a lot of young guys, so you got to have their numbers. Yeah, but those are golfers, man. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I love Sterling Sharp. Sterling Sharp's a great dude. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, so I give him a lot of crap every now and again. So Sterling and then. Sir, I would probably say Sterling Sharp, but he's just a buddy, so I'm going to send this to him, and he'll probably be like, you're such a weirdo. Well, speaking <laughs> of Sterling Sharp, we're going to mention him. Actually, I'm on one more question, then we're going to mention him. Uh, if you could pick one major to win, what would be your major of your choice? Oh, Augusta, uh, the Masters, no Masters. question. Okay. And number number nine, if somebody slapped Mike Neesmith, Matt, uh, excuse me, if somebody <laughs> slapped Matt Neesmith at an award show, are you going to handle it like Chris Rock, or are you going to handle it like Sterling Sharp? <laughs> like sterling sharp probably 100 <laughs> percent, man sterling went off yesterday i saw him go crazy yesterday you know what he's exactly right yep so i appreciate it man um appreciate your time good luck this week what's your uh, what's your status moving forward i'm gonna play uh this week and then the next week's up in the air just because you never know what can happen and uh rbc heritage and then zurich and that's about as far as we've made it to right now Good deal. You know what? Actually, I made a mistake. It was Shannon Sharp who was giving him Sterling, a hard yeah, time. Yeah, Sterling's brother. It was Sterling's brother, Shannon, giving him a hard time. But I'm guessing, you know what? They're cut from the same cloth. I'm guessing Sterling's not going to – he ain't going to let somebody walk up and smack him either. 100%. Yeah. I don't blame him. Well, good luck this week, man. Good luck at the uh, at, at the Valero. Hopefully, you get into the Masters field. If not, we'll definitely see you at the RBC and moving forward. Thank you for your time, man. You've been awesome. Of course. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. We will see you again back here next week on the Stripe Show podcast.